Oh, baby, it is moving day. What's up, everybody? Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds in the house as well, Connor Pasby, manning the ones and twos back in the ref studios. Midway point of this U.S. Open, and we have got an interesting-looking leaderboard. There are 30 players right now as we get set for round three within five shots of the lead. And obviously you've got Colin Morikawa, for, uh, former major champion, atop the board tied with Joel Damon. Some other big names lurking. It's been a long wait for Rory McIlroy trying to knock off major number five all the way back in 2014 when he ended that season, Brian, with a couple of major championships. But crickets ever since for Rory. He's right there in the mix, was able to overcome an early double bogey in his round yesterday and and just stay right there. It really, we'll see how the course is going to wind up playing today on a moving day. It's a U.S. Open, so it's not crazy to think about golfers all of a sudden on a Saturday backtracking to the pack and one or two under par being what we look back on by day's end as one of the best rounds on the course. So I would say somebody even like a Brooks Kepka at even par is right in the mix for this thing. But, Brian, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Uh, all is well out here. Hey, tell, we need to tell everybody where we're at today. We are at Westwood Park Golf Course today and appreciate them having us out for the remote. Hey, for all you golfers out there, realize that they're big for the July tournaments coming up. The deadline to enter is June 29th. They've got flights for all levels of golfers. It's a lot of fun. It includes your carts, food, range balls, 275 tournament is a three-dayer so great value july 2nd through the 4th i have played in this not very successfully as far as winning but it's a whole lot of fun i i used to play in it every year and then you know you start having kids and your weekends get occupied but hey thanks to the westwood uh golf course folks out here leaderboard man you hit it uh for the pga tour who's been in a little bit of uh trying time shall we say to have this type of leaderboard really has to make them smile. They've got a bunch of big names up there, and I agree with you. Anywhere from even par on up has a great chance to win this golf tournament. I was looking at a tweet out from the PGA Tour today. It said the winds are up 20 to 25 miles an hour, and they switched directions out to the northeast. Well, these guys haven't had any practice rounds with the winds out of the northeast. It's kind of the same thing that happened at Southern Hills, right? Mm -hmm. You have a cold front coming through, switches the winds, going to make both par fives unreachable, and, boy, five under would win going away right now, in my opinion. If you could stay right there right now. You're going to win the golf tournament. You're going to win by two or three shots. Even par may win this. Hey, guess what? We've got Matt Reynolds, too, right, Matt? What are your thoughts right, about this leaderboard weather of everything? Well, I think that you're right, Brian, that the PGA Tour, no doubt about it, even though this technically, I guess, isn't their event, it's ran by them to some degree. they got to be really happy because, one, the live guys so far, there's none towards the top, really, and their guys are showing out. I mean, Colin Morikawa is a next-level star, and then what I particularly love, that you have a guy like Joel Damon, who is in the lead with Colin, 
not many people know Joel Damon unless you follow him on social media. He's kind of a funny guy. Or unless you're just a hardcore golf fan, then, yeah, you probably know Joel Damon. But he's only won one tournament, and uh, it wasn't, wasn't a very big tournament. So for him to be up there, I mean, what a what an opportunity. What an opportunity. Well, he's a career grinder, Matt. There's no doubt about that. And he has a very unique story. He's a uh, cancer survivor. And, you know, for a guy like that to just go out there and be able to keep grinding out and make a living is fantastic. He's widely regarded as one of the best ball strikers out there. His short game historically has been the weaker part of his game, but it he, uh, you know, commentary on the Golf Channel was he's one of the best iron players out there. And guess what? So is Colin Markarwa. That's why he's where he's at right now. Two-time major winner looking to add a U.S. Open to his Open Championship and his PGA Championship. Be one off the uh, Grand Slam. Yeah, and that's with his college career, it's not unexpected. But I'll tell you what, guys, the the interesting part about all this is like josh mentioned i think anyone from even par on has a chance to win this uh grinding out pars i wouldn't even rule out one over because you've got some guys with some firepower in there like dj and jt so let's step back to your comment matt you said several of the live tour guys didn't fare too well i know there's a budding narrative out there that is oh it's because there's not enough competition they're not going to play in enough events how are they going to keep their game sharp dj answered that very succinctly in his interview and most of these top players already play a scaled back schedule anyway focused you know primarily around the majors but it did help the pga narrative but we also have to look at a lot of the live golf guys that have that have already played in the first event were guys that are kind of on the tail end of their career other than dj and a few others and gooch and a few of the younger players but a lot of the net known names are 40 plus and those guys typically don't hunt in majors anyway no no you wouldn't expect it i mean the disappointing thing is that dustin johnson's won over so far but again he's six shots off the lead going into a moving day on the weekend in a u.s open so it's not unthinkable that by week's end we're talking about Dustin Johnson having won this U.S. Open. Now, that's going to take 36 great holes of golf from Dustin Johnson and probably some backtracking in other spots from the Morikawas, from the John Roms and McElroys of the world. But, again, it's not unthinkable. So let's not etch the story in stone before we play these final 36 holes. I just think in general, guys – Yes, it's been a bad first two rounds for the Live Golf Tour in terms of a Dustin Johnson not playing well. It was embarrassing for Phil Mickelson to go out and shoot 11 over and get cut from this event. But beyond that, just the leaderboard itself, the victory that it was for the PGA Tour in the immediate over the Live Golf Series, I just think it's an interesting leaderboard going into this moving day. Joel Damon. Not someone that any of us would have expected to be 500 and tied atop the board. Buckley is some that's Hayden Buckley for those of you out there that are saying, Buckley, who the heck is that? He's missed six of his last seven cuts, Brian, coming into this U.S. Open. And lo and behold, here he is, four under par for the tournament so far, and one shot off the lead. And then you've got the firepower of a Morikawa, of a Rom, of a McElroy. 
the Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler, is just a couple of shots back at three under par. So I just think the leaderboard itself, while we can get into the victory for the PGA Tour versus the Live Golf Series, Matt, I just think it's an interesting leaderboard, a nice mix of, okay, these are guys we expected to be in this type of position, and then some surprises as well. I think you summed it up really well uh, with that. What I would add is there was so much talk Monday to Wednesday. I mean, exhausting to the point I couldn't even follow the tournament about the Lift Golf Series and question after question after question to the point that Brooks Kepka like, hey, you guys are putting a black cloud over this event. Like, this is a really big event. This is a major. Like, let, let this event have its own week. Let it have its day. And thankfully, I feel like we have that. Um, obviously, I'm a big proponent of the Live Golf deal, and I think it can work um, in, in a lot of respects with our format and everything, like we've talked about many times. That being said, I'm kind of glad right now one of their guys isn't in the lead or something because can you imagine what we'd be talking about on Golf Channel right now? It'd probably be something about Live Golf. It probably would be. So I'm just glad that we're actually talking about a good golf tournament uh, with a great field, and it's really, really tough. So we're going to see what these guys can do, uh, you know, especially coming out with the big wins and change. Well, the golf course change is going to dictate a lot of what happens. And, you know, I'll dive back a little bit on Josh's comment about Phil. And, I, you know, I agree it was embarrassing for Phil because we view Phil as, as – Phil Mickelson in his prime a lot of times. But the reality is, even though Phil pulled a rabbit out of the hat winning the PGA last year, the reality is he hadn't been really playing good for about three years. And he's over 50 now. The U.S. Open never sets up well for him because he sprays it off the tee. The U.S. Open is so predicated on being accurate off the tee. It takes away his ability for his short game to overcome all of his long game deficiencies. And so that's the that's the real issue that you have with Phil, in my personal opinion. I don't think any of this other stuff's that big a distraction to live to her for Phil. I think honestly Phil's biggest distraction is he just doesn't he's just not that, that interested in playing that much golf anymore. And when he does, he is going to typically, he'll play the majors, but he's going to choose courses that he thinks he's got a chance on. And there's just certain golf courses like this one that is so penal if you don't hit the fairways, he doesn't have a chance. And the conditions today, guys, I think, and and they're supposed to be the same tomorrow, um, are going to really dictate the ability to make a move. And I think a, a move on the next two days is going to be somebody. If you if somebody at even or one over or even one under can throw up a 136 on the weekend, a couple of 68s, and go four under, I think three under's got a legitimate shot to win this golf tournament. I just don't see people, unless they get some rain tonight, I just don't see people making a big move on this golf course. This golf course does not have a lot of birdie holes. Here's a, an interesting statistic for you both. 25 of the past 26 U.S. Open winners have been tied for sixth or better after the first two rounds. What does that mean? Well, it means that this following list of golfers, one of them will be the U.S. Open champion by Sunday's end. The two leaders in Morikawa or Damon or that group at four under par, Buckley, Rom, McElroy, Wise, and Bo Hostler. And then everybody else after that, Hardy, Scheffler, 
Neesmith, Rogers, Harmon, on and on and on at three under par. According to that statistic, they're done. They're not winning this tournament. Now, I think just based on the way the leaderboard has shaken out this particular year, Matt, that that 25 out of 26 could be a little bit in peril because, to me, I look at Scotty Scheffler, 300 par, just a couple of shots back, and, I mean, obviously he's every bit in the mix of this major championship. I mean, how crazy is it that we're talking about the guy of the year, and he's flying under the radar. He really is. There's so much talk about Rory. There's so much talk about Colin and where Joel is that – Scotty Scheffler is really looming of kind of right where I would want to be, uh, you know, a couple shots off the lead. And to Brian's point, who's to say if Scotty Scheffler shoots even par on the rest of the weekend that he doesn't win this golf tournament three under? It's very, very possible. Uh, if anybody out there wants to uh, wants, wants to bet, I'll be happy to be your bookie that the score is going to be below five. It ain't. It's not going to six or seven under. It's going the other direction this weekend. So it should be really fun, and especially for. You know, for the normal golfers like all of us who struggle at times with things, it's kind of nice to see these guys struggle. At least, you know, I I enjoy that to some extent. Well, I think we've all mentioned that, right, is we like the struggles in the majors. And I think even a lot of the tour players address that in their post-conference. I know Rory specifically did, is that it it needs to be a challenge, needs to be a hard golf course, and it needs to be – Needs to feel like a U.S. Open, right? Yeah, it needs to be – Without being – the cream of the crop needs to rise, right? Sure. That's why, you know, on Matt's bookie comment, you know, I got oceanfront property if you think Bo Hostler's going to win this golf tournament. <laughs> not buying it, huh? Not not buying selling, Bo Hostler. Selling the house on both uh, Damon and Hostler? And I'm going to offend him right now. Whoa, oh. the horns are down, baby, at Westwood Park. Hey, we're doing opening timeout. I do want to circle back to Phil Mickelson when we get back from the break because I think he made, if he was going to contend in this major championship, I think he made a massive tactical error over the last couple of months. We can dive into that. Who do you guys like? Hit us up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line, 405-329-9000, Air Comfort Solutions text line, that's yours as well, 405-651-3439. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, and Matt Reynolds. It's the Gimme Zone hanging out with you on the ref. We are out at Westwood Park Golf Course where they've got a ton of stuff going on. They've got the Westwood Junior Golf Academy for uh, golfers aged 8 to 17. That'll be uh, 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock on June 21st, the 22nd, the 28th, or uh, July 12th, 19th, 26th, and 27th. Golf course, uh, you get the full access to that and driving range instruction. And then they've got the the big tournament for the Westwood Junior Golf Academy on the 27th of July. Big pizza party. Entries $120. So we'll be telling you about everything going on out here. Rick Parrish, the PGA professional at Westwood. Take a timeout. Come back right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the Rev. Back with you here at Westwood Park Golf Course where gearing up for the 47th annual Westwood Invitational. Coming up on July 2nd through the 4th, 54-hole individual stroke play event. Six different flights, so not everybody has to sign up for that championship flight, so there's certainly a flight for you. Hey, you know what? The Masters flight, first one under uh, the championship, 
Those are the biggest sandbaggers in all of the Norman area right there. So if, you, if you're one of those guys that sandbags your handicap, uh, go ahead and play in that fight. That's right, yes. $225 to enter, to walk, $275, uh, obviously, for the cart and to ride. Call the Pro Shop or go to westwoodinvitational.com to enter the crew out here, Rick Parrish. We were just talking with Rick, the head pro out here during the break he's awesome love the staff at westwood and it's not just the the westwood invitational coming up they've got the water park here for families that want to come cool off it's getting hot on us now this summer they've got the tennis center as well so a bunch of stuff going on out here at westwood well and beyond the tournament we got daily play out here i mean it's a fantastic course the course has never been in better shape the greens are absolutely perfect right now fairways are looking great you know, if anybody wants to get some golf in here in Norman, Westwood's your place. Well, and if, if you're anything like me, I mean, just kind of like going out to the driving range every once in a while. And if you want to do that, I mean, obviously you can come out, get some uh, driving range balls and let it rip for a little bit and then go on about your day as well. But probably, probably you want to get out here for 9 or 18. Josh Helmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds, it's the Gimme Zone talking the U.S. Open with all of you on this Saturday. Mentioned it before the break. Phil Mickelson, very much not in contention for this U.S. Open. He misses the cut. He shoots 11 over par to uh, not make it into the weekend. And to me, it was a huge mistake that he didn't play either the Masters or the, or the PGA Championship if, in fact, he was eligible to do so. I know there's been, you know, some back and forth on whether or not he had sort of a silent suspension from the PGA Tour or from these uh, major championship hosts that be. Just bear with me for a second and hypothetically embrace the idea that he had the go-ahead to play at either Augusta National or at Southern Hills if he so chose. This is the major championship that Phil Mickelson wants above all else. This is the one he hasn't been able to get, the U.S. Open. And for him to only play that London Invitational on the Live Golf Series, Brian, I just think it was a huge mistake for him coming into this U.S. Open. Well, you know, I don't know. I I play a whole lot of golf. And, and you know, sometimes when you get his age, rest may do him better. But the reality is his game has not been in good good shape for a long time. His opportunity to get a U.S. Open is over. That ended the last time he choked it off by not being able to, you know, pull his three-wood and keep the ball in fairway and win the golf tournament. Had to hit that driver. Well, sometimes Phil's ego gets him in trouble on and off the course, as we know. But in your hypothetical, if he didn't play in those two events, I mean, I've... it was pure – statement on his part about uh contempt for the pga tour's objection to the live golf events that would be the only reason why he wouldn't play in those other than if maybe his game's just been terrible and he want to embarrass himself but sure. but he had a far better chance to have a better showing at augusta or at southern hills because those fit his game much better i mean you can spray it all over the lot at augusta and be able to hit your next shot 
So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Phil? I mean, is this is this a lack of preparation? Is this just uh, did he make a his own personal political statement about the PGA Tour? What are your thoughts on that? I didn't expect him to play well, guys. Uh, starting uh, for a number of reasons, but number one, to what you've alluded to, Brian, a few times this morning already, is that the U.S. Open. He's got no chance to ever contend in the U.S. Open ever again. And I would love to be wrong on that. It just doesn't fit his game at all. And you're right. He had his he had his moments in the sun, and unfortunately for his sake, he just wasn't able to finish it off. I really do agree with you, Josh, that, yes, those other two tournaments, it would have helped him to play in those majors, but I truthfully don't think he was welcome. Uh, I'll go to my grave thinking that unless something of you know, news actually comes out someday with proof of either way. But I, I don't think that he had that opportunity. And if anything, we've learned from, you know, his press conference, he took a lot of heat. And I, I think we sometimes just dispatch what that does to people as human beings because, oh, these are athletes. They do this all the time. I, I don't know how he's dealing with the pressure that he's dealing with at all to much less get up there and just hit golf shots and go out there and play he got absolutely ridiculed for 30 minutes straight and answered every question to the best of his ability, basically giving the media nothing, because why would he give the media anything? Um, you know, they destroyed him all of three months ago for comments that he thought were off the record. So I, I think we're seeing a new fill. Uh, it's a different fill. It's not as lively uh, coming off towards the fans in the media perspective. But if you watched him on the course, and if you saw any of the social media stuff of people with him on the court, he's given a lot of thumbs-ups. He still loves the fans. He's still a, a fanboy where everybody really loves Phil. But I just don't think we're going to see him in the same light we ever have seen him before due to his absolute divide with the media. Yeah, and there's a, a lot of fans. You know, I, I think generally speaking, he, he is still – very well liked by the patrons that are going to these major championships, but that doesn't mean there's not a couple mixed in too that have turned on Phil a, a little bit here and sort of enjoyed the way the uh, first couple of days played out for Mickelson. The fact that he missed this cut, Brian. Up uh, as we're here at Moving Day, you look at the leaderboard, you take stock of what it looks like right now. Live golf series aside. What's been the biggest takeaway for you so far? For this week's golf tournament, my biggest takeaway is that the cream's rising to the top, right? You've got a lot of the best ball strikers uh, that are right at the top of the leaderboard. Other than, you know, your guy Hayden Buckley. (laughs) Right. I want the person that bought his 650-to-1 ticket in Vegas to please come forward and identify yourself because – you are rooting really hard for him right now. And please live stream yourself watching the tournament for the next couple of days. Yeah, live stream if that ticket cashes. I want to see the reaction there. Imagine imagine if you just threw a thousand bucks on that. Oh, oh man. Well, you know, I think what's gonna happen is you've got the top names right there, what I would say in control of the golf tournament. I I mean It's going to be of, it's gonna be a surprise at this point if it's not a name we're familiar with, a name with some star power, right, that wins this thing? Yeah, I mean, because look at it. I mean, with Morikawa, uh, McElroy, John Rahm, all right there, and Scotty Scheffler, one be- one behind that. 
those are probably right now the way they're playing four of the top ten golfers in the world. I I mean, world rankings aside, I'm just talking about how they've been playing lately. You know, obviously Rory won last week uh, to defend his title at the RBC Canadian Open. So he... He's playing well. And, guys, you know, when he starts making putts, he's hard to beat because he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball out there. He's super long and straight. And so, if he, you know, if he can continue to putt well, and one of the, the, the analysts on the, on the golf show was going over his putting stroke, and they showed when he's having trouble and what he's been doing here lately, it's he's basically just releasing the putter head. And that's probably an absence of a little bit of tension in the stroke. And, and a little bit of confidence, right? For all you golfers out there, I mean, you guys know how putting is such a game, uh, you know, part of your game is confidence. Some days you're just seeing the line and feel like you're going to hit it and you make everything. Other times, you know, that hole looks like a thimble. And <laughs> right. so, you know, the reality is. You he's know, in the got, good place right now. He's in, he's feeling really good. And, and another guy that got off to just a horrible start, I think this is your guy, Matt. Zonder Schaffler just got off to a horrible start, and he's clawed back to one under. Another guy that hits it super off the tee, great iron player. What are your thoughts on the the big names that have a chance? And do any of these lesser knowns have any ability to win this, Matt? I think the lesser knowns are going to tell us a lot about themselves today on moving day. And I would equate this, it's not the same championship, but I would equate this a lot to what we saw at the PGA. Mito Piera, to his, you know, to his uh, detriment, or however you want to put it, um, you know, obviously lost on the 18th hole. But he hung in there, and not a lot of guys can do that. And so I don't, I don't think we're going to see anybody hang in there uh, of a Mito's-type status that just absolutely is out of nowhere. But I do think that, uh, you know, there, there could be maybe one guy that is at least in the mix that we don't know. However, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of guys. And uh, personally, I'm kind of leaning towards Brooks Kepka. Call me crazy. But I like uh, – Shoffley was my pick before the tournament. I think he's still got a good chance. But something about Brooks Kepka and the U.S. Open, I mean, I think the stat is what? He's only lost to six golfers in the last four U.S. Open. That's, that's bonkers. Well, he yeah, he has crazy. the game of just being able to grind out pars, you know, because his all-around game is so good. You know, another name up there, guys, that that we haven't talked about that nobody's really talked about that's playing really well the last 12 months is Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley, tee to greens, as good as anybody out there. You know, obviously he's had his putting challenges over the years and gone to long putters, and he's tried just about everything other than putting left-handed. But <laughs> but <laughs> One uh, major championship to Keegan's name, right? Yeah. So I think he's a guy that if he throws up a, you know, 68 today, he's going to be right there in the hunt. 67-68. I mean, anybody that does that today that's kind of right there, one over, even par, I just get the impression probably you're going to be right in the mix, at least to start Sunday. We'll see, you know, obviously what the front nine of Sunday looks like going into the back nine. But uh, if you can card 67-68, you're feeling real good about what you uh, got accomplished at the country club today we'll keep talking this u.s open from out here at westwood golf park we've got the main man rick Parrish, joining us next josh elmer brian vineyard matt reynolds hanging out with you it's the gimme zone on the ref back after this 
And welcome back here to the Give Me Zone at Westwood Park Golf Course. Josh Helmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds. Hey, Matt, if you're not playing out at Westwood, where else could they go get some golf action in today? Well, there's always a great place, uh, Indoor 18. If you don't have, you know, three hours or however long it's going to take you to play 18 holes, one hour over there, run out one of their great bays. They've got all the Trackman bays set up over there, and they can get it done for you. Uh, you can play 18 holes in about 40 minutes if you're by yourself. So always a good treat. Yeah, that's a great place. Those those Trackmans, you talk about really improving your game. Those Trackmans are fantastic be able to see – uh, you know, what you're doing wrong, and you can self-correct, or you can get uh, professional instruction on those. All right, guys, Rick's been delayed just a couple of minutes here. He'll be He's a busy us. man. we got a lot going on. they got a men's golf association tournament going out here also, so they got all kinds of stuff. Here he's coming. He's running. He's running right here. I've never seen the guy move that fast. Rick, we are out here. We got so much going on out here right now. We can hardly talk about it all. Forty seventh annual. How many golf tournaments have been going around for been going on for forty seven years? I don't know any others. Do you? Not many. No. Nope. It's uh, it's quite the tournament. It's a lot of fun to run too. W- would I be dating myself if I told you I played in one of the first ten? A little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did. That, that's really sad. But uh, that tournament's coming up, entry deadline coming up. Tell everybody what else you have going on at Westwood. I mean, just some fantastic things. Uh, we got our Junior Academy starting on Tuesday. Uh, runs Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And then we go Tuesdays for about three or four weeks. And then we go Tuesday, Wednesday to finish it off. Uh, the kids will get four days of instruction. They'll get two play days. And then we'll have a tournament and a pizza party for them at the end. Well, that sounds awesome. So the Westwood Invitational, ton of fun. I've not played this event, but I did caddy for one of uh, one of our old interns, Jeffrey Whitson, out here. It's an awesome event. What's it like for you guys to get to put this on? It's not just for the community of Norman. It's really for the metro at large. But how cool is it for you and for Westwood Golf Course and Golf Park to get to put this event on? Well, it's it's a lot like a homecoming because uh, so many of these players have played in it for years and they're like friends, and it's great to see them. You know, some of them we only get to see the one time a year, and when they come in, it's a lot of fun to hang out with them, you know, and hear the golf stories every day because I, I post the scores, so we get to hear how their rounds go, and some good, some bad. You so, get to tee it up? No. I don't. Yeah, you you got a more important things, right? right? I just post the scores. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, Rick was allu- alluding to it being a homecoming. I know several people schedule their visit, their one time a year visit, back to Norman so that they can play in this golf tournament. And, and you know, quite frankly, you've had some really big names play in this golf tournament yes. all the time. I mean, you've had many former OU golfers. Kelsey Klein plays almost every year. Yes, won four times. Four yeah. times. Yeah. Well. With his game, I'm kind of surprised. Not even more than that. J.R. Hurley, a lot of people. Two-time know, winner. Two-time winner. A lot of people know him. Uh, J.D. Metzger. Yeah. You know, you got a lot of guys that I, I would call dead-on ringers. You know, from this area in that championship flight. Yeah. I told everybody the biggest sandbaggers are always in that Masters flight. You know, these are the guys. You know, <laughs> yeah. they come from other courses that may not turn in their low scores and all their high scores, and all of a sudden. Somebody goes uh, 15 under, you know, and that, that, you know. 
in that. We, we do have a rule, though, that if that if you win your flight, you do have to move up to the next flight the year after that. Well, I'd like to say I threw <laughs> off so I didn't have to get bumped up one year, but no, I just choked. <laughs> Rick, how's everything been going out here? I mean, the course looks fantastic. How's the course playing? It's it's uh, very busy out here. Uh, the greens are the best they've ever been. They're smooth. They're fast. Uh, of course, we had five inches of rain, so the fairways are good. Um, the one thing, our, our bunkers are a little suspect, but we're in the process of re- trying to redo them all, but our grounds crew is, is doing it themselves, so... It's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, the ones that they've done are, are really awesome. And we're, we're, we're even putting in a few British Open-style bunkers. We're sod stacking. So I love that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's add, a challenge, though. Yeah. Add some character to the course. I yeah. like it. Well, I'll tell you what, though. You know, the tournament is a ton of fun. You know, it's, it's sort of an endurance test, too, because it's it usually hot. And so, you know, it depends on which tee time you get. And you get all early one day, late the, late one day, and then depending on how you do after that or which flight you're yeah. in. And so, you know, you, you, you definitely have to hydrate. And, and, you know, you guys always set the course up where it poses a nice challenge for people as well. I mean, you can, you, you've got some great pin placements. And there's just some darn good holes out here, you know. Yeah. Tell everybody about the new greenskeeper. Well, he's from Pennsylvania. Paul Kraut is his name. Um, he's got the highest ranking in the GS, GCSAA, so he really knows his stuff. Um, he's just he's he's trying to get as much of the ground, the water from the rains and everything drainage to go into our pond, so that we have we always have water. Uh, we've got a well. He's redirected the well so it gets uh, into our bigger pond. Uh, he's dug out some um, some hazard areas that were hazards, but they were they were kind of starting to not look like hazards because of the silt buildup and all that. And he's gone in, dug them out, uh, cleaned up trees. Uh, he's just he he's good. It'd be hard to argue that he's not done a fantastic job. I mean, I, I went out there and looked at the condition of the greens, and they're, they're absolutely – I mean, I've played here a million times in my life, yes. and, and this is definitely – you're not exaggerating. This is the best they've ever been. They are rolling fantastic. Yes. You get it online, you're going to make the putt. Yes, and he, he even told me, he said, Rick, you're going to have to tell me when to stop making them fast. Well, that's good. I mean, that's a great defense for a golf course, too, is fast greens because it certainly makes you think about keeping the ball below the pin and not just firing it, you know, at the middle of the green saying, I'm going to have a 20-footer. Well, a 20-foot downhiller can be a little different than a 20-footer uphill. (laughs) Well, and you mentioned that, you know, the the water, and that's such an integral part of a golf course because in Oklahoma we do have challenges having enough water because we've had, you know, summers not too long ago we had 100 days without rain yes and it really stresses all of the golf courses and you know being able to have a professional like him that knows how to get your water conserve it and keep it in your bigger pond so that when we do get to those drier parts of the year i mean boy that's that's incredible i mean i'm glad to hear i mean you know we're really blessed with a lot of good superintendents across the state of Oklahoma but but I I tell you what and a lot of good golf professionals quite frankly you know I've met numerous over the years and 
all of these folks know their stuff, and they're great at, at teaching folks if you want to come out and get a lesson, you know, or just come out and enjoy a round out here. I mean, it's I mean, the, the, it's in fantastic condition. And as we touched on right off the top with Rick, the uh, head professional out here at Westwood, Westwood Park Golf Course, the Junior Golf Academy, again, coming up uh, next week. So get involved in that if you're looking to – Start the youngsters out playing uh, playing the great game of golf. Okay, Rick, I know that you're busy. You've got a lot of things going on out here. You haven't been able to watch a ton of the U.S. Open this week, so I'll just ask you a very simple question here, knowing and understanding that you've not just been sitting back there with the U.S. Open on, right? Okay, so the leaderboard, these names on it, some some big names. Colin Morikawa, five under par. Rory McIlroy, John Rahm both four under par and our masters champion scotty scheffler at three under par out of those names right there 36 holes for these guys to go who do you like i'm gonna take rory i think you're right on the money i think that's who's winning this thing we were talking about rory earlier rick in the sense that he seems to be putting better and tee to green i mean he's so accurate and long off the tee gives him a tremendous advantage with that length and then when he can actually get his putter rolling you know, they did an analysis. We were talking about it earlier. They did an analysis of it on, on the Golf Channel about how he's releasing the putter head, you know, and you know how important that is sure. to be a consistent good putter, whereas before I think his nerves got the better of him and he'd, he'd have a little bit of tension and yeah. it was pull city. I mean, Can't he, have that. He's had a lot of uh, pulled pork on some short putts in, in the clutch <laughs> lately. But, but here over the last month, he's got it figured out, and he's got to be a favorite. So, you know, we we're just talking keep about him away from the bunkers. Indeed. Yeah. Well, he would have paid <laughs> Or that rough. <laughs> he would have paid any amount of money to get in that bunker on the hole yesterday. On 3? Being behind the bunker three. in that hay. Oh. <laughs> First of all, he's lucky to find your ball. If it was just one of us playing around a golf, we'd have never found it. The right. fact that you've got fans and marshals out there spotting for him is the only thing that saved him. Depending that on That would have been a lost ball. Depending on how these next 36 holes go, that's going to be the best double bogey he's ever made in his life, depending yeah. on the next 36. Rick, hey, we're looking forward to everything you guys got coming up. Obviously, the Westwood Invitational. Thanks for having us out, as always, today, and uh, appreciate your time, man. You bet. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, for Rick. your sponsorship, too. Rick Parrish, the head man out here at Westwood Park Golf Course. Let's take a T.O. We'll come back. Keep uh, kicking it around about this 2022 U.S. Open. It's the Gimme Zone right here. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, and Matt Reynolds with you on the rep. Back after this. Gimme Zone. We are back. Back in an awesome place. Westwood Park. We're hanging out at the golf course restaurant here today. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. Matt Reynolds is in the house with us as well. I should tell you, 2400 Westport Drive right here in Norman, right off Robinson and 24th where the Westwood Complex is located. They've got the Westwood Family Aquatic Center. They've obviously got the tennis complex out here as well where they've got the brand-new state-of-the-art indoor tennis center. So for a bunch of folks that, you know, you tennis lovers out there, come on by and you can – Reserve the time in the indoor center, which is 
awesome out here at Westwood. We've got a nice little list of former yeah. champions we can yeah. break down here, huh? Yeah, Josh, I'm sitting here. Rick was gracious enough to, to pull us up some statistics here. And for all you golf fans that have been around a long time in Oklahoma, many of you that are my age or older, I mean, listen to some of the former champions to show you what a great event this is. Fred Lutz, multiple champion, three times. Carl Higgins, Tim Fleming. Last year, Brian Wahlberg wins. Kelsey Klein has won the most four times. My boy Kels. J.R. Hurley has won three times. Four times, maybe. Three times. Oh, two. I misread it. My bad. Um, and then we've also had guys like former OU golfer Brad Dalkey. Get a load of this score. Three-round total, 192. Yeah. <laughs> well, my math's not great, but par would be 210. So that's 18 under. So he, Brad Dalkey came out, out and torched it. Went out and averaged 64 around. Hey, and, you know, the Rick just gave us a funny stat. When Brad Dalkey won uh, – one of the amateur tournaments he qualified him to to play in the Masters as an amateur, and his Masters bio says Westwood Invitational Champion. That's How great. great is that? That's I mean that's as good as it gets. Talk for about you. giving uh, giving o, uh, Norman, Oklahoma, and Westwood some, some love. Pub. So 192 has been done by Brad Dalkey and Sam Powell. I mean Taylor Artman's played in this. I mean we've got we've got some some legitimate guys that play in this every year. I think Kels is playing again. Uh, so get out here if you want to play in a great golf tournament July 2nd through the 4th, and you need to get yourself entered by the June 29th deadline. So a little over a week still that you can enter there. Matt, we turn our attention back to the U.S. Open. Do you have any sort of a rooting guide going into these final 36 holes? What does your pecking order look like in terms of who you'd like to see win this thing and why? Well, I'm going to say, number one, I don't want to see Rory McIlroy win this golf tournament. So that's my number one. I know that's not a very uh, common thing true against golfers, but uh, I don't want to see him win. Uh, so that that is number one initiative for me. Number two would be, you know, I, I picked Xander Shoffley before, but I would actually jump that and say I would love to see Brooks Kepka win this golf tournament. So he's probably my number two, and Shoffley's probably my number three as far as my pecking Brian, what about you? Well, you know, there's a lot of players that are very interesting up here. But I'm going to go with my guy, Scotty Scheffler, just because, you know, I got to cash his ticket once. Yeah, I, I feel like I buddy. at least, oh, I, you know, even though he's a long run, I used to feel like I got to root for him. But if not Scotty, you know, I'd love to see Colin add another one to his case right there. He'd have three legs of the Triple Crown or the, three legs of the of the Grand Slam, so. Yeah, he'd be one away from it. Hey, that's it for hour number one on the Gimme Zone. We're right up against the top of the hour. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds. Who do you guys want to see win this golf tournament? I think a lot of people, a lot of people would like to see Rory get that fifth major, but not everybody because he has been outspoken. Outspoken. Take a timeout. Come back. Keep rolling along. It's the Gimme Zone from Westwood. I'm right here on the ref. Oh, baby, hour number two. Here we go. The U.S. Open. The tee times look like this for the leaders. They'll go out. That's Colin Morikawa, Joel Damon at 245 Central Time this afternoon. Other uh, big names you'll want to be watching for. 
Hayden Buckley is paired with John Rahm. That's a 234 tee time. Those two, four under par. Same as McElroy and Wise, 323 tee time. And then Scotty Scheffler, three under par. That's, uh, that is a 2 o'clock tee time, 201 officially official for Scotty Scheffler to go off this afternoon. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds. Matt, you've got breaking news off the top of hour two. What's going on? I mean, I think our show, guys, the last three weeks has pretty much had something breaking news in the show. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Kevin uh, resigning his PGA Tour membership. We had some other living. I mean, it just it never ceases, it feels like. But this is huge for the conversation we have had in the past month or so. The breaking news is that the live players will be permitted to play on the DP World Tour uh, starting with the next event, which is next week in Germany, going against the PGA Tour suspension of each player. This now sets up a precarious new wrinkle in the relationship between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Now, it's important to note the DP World Tour is not owned by the PGA Tour. They just have had a basically handshake agreement, but it's ran separately of the PGA Tour. This now sets a precedent that those world golf ranking points that people really were like, well, how's Taylor Gooch going to stay in the top 50? How's Justin Johnson going to still? You know, all these, you know, DJ is the one that uh, is probably above the rest because he's got the major championship of the Masters in 2020, so he's got a big exemption. But the majors are going to still be open for these guys. I wondered if it was going to be the Asian Tour, but it looks, guys, like it's going to be the European Tour that could start, you know, a uh, by all accounts, becoming a little bit more of a power, and a big power play by them. This is something we were wondering about, Brian, what their stance was going to be. And, again, Matt laid it out for you there at the end. If you're, you're like, wait a second, what the heck is the DP World Tour for some of our more casual golf fans? This is the European Tour. So we knew that the Asian Tour was not going to be suspending these players, but – the fact that the European tour is keeping the door open to the Dustin Johnsons, the Phil Mickelsons of the world, I mean, that's that's gigantic. And with their relationship with the PGA Tour in years past, that, we, you know, I don't want to say it's totally shocking, Brian, because this is a great opportunity for the DP World Tour to attract some of these big stars to go play their events. But it wouldn't have been equally shocking if the DP World Tour was in lockstep with the PGA Tour, given their past relationship, but that's not, that's not going to be the case. Well, Josh, we, we're going to have to start calling Matt the Matt Bombs. You know, we got the Woj Bombs, now we got the Matt Bombs. Our 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 breaking news reporter, they're now Matt Bombs. So yes, he's connected to Tiger you're Woods. You're going to have to start I mean. tweeting out those those bombs right there, Matt, before you release all of this information. But we discussed this earlier on previous shows, guys. The, the, you know, the Live Tour tried to set their events up opposite of the, you know, PGA Tour big events. You know, events that the, the types of players they wanted to have on the Live Tour wouldn't be playing in anyway. Kamish drew a hard line in the, you know, in the stand and said, don't cross, you're out if you do this Live Golf Tour. And I think he, he put some truth to him out there, probably expected the majors to back him. You know, the, the USGA, the PGA of America, Masters, and 
the Open Championship to all back him and 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 the DP Tour. Well, now it's all backfired. So now the competition could get even more fierce for them on their regular events. You know, because these guys that had they been allowed to play on the PGA Tour and Live Tour might play in an event, say, next week. Now, if they want to play, they'll go play the DP if they're going to play and live. So you just shot your foot off. I mean, such poor management. I cannot believe. I've not seen where a CEO has publicly bungled something more than how this has been bungled. Well, and and now the question, Matt, becomes with the DP World Tour's decision, does that attract some of these other names over? I think it does. That was that was the next thing I was going to say. Is I think that is going to get you guys like Harold Varner the third. That basically he said, "Hey, I would be." He all but said, "I'm I would be cool with the live tour, but you know I, I got to have world golf ranking points because he doesn't want to fall out of those majors." And I understand that. Uh, the the other uh, this may be a, a preview of breaking news to come. It is not definitely a fact that this has happened yet. But there's a lot of speculation that the Live Golf uh, funding, they're going to outright buy the DP World Tour. And if that happens, all the, the gates of golf will completely break. Because at that point, what we haven't discussed yet that is so important to this news today is that the Ryder Cup is forever split at this point. Because the DP Tour, which is the European Tour, controls their part of the, the Ryder Cup. That being said, if they're allowing live players to play on theirs, the Americans, guys, don't you think they almost have to? It kind of forces the issue. If you got, say, a Colin Morikawa comes over in, you know, in the next month or so, you're going to tell me they're going to keep him off the Ryder Cup team for the United States when the Europeans have all their players going? I think that's hard, hard to judge. Well, you bring up a, that's an interesting topic because, you know, if they do try to keep all those guys off that play on the live tour and a bunch of people come over, like who amongst us doesn't think Bruce Kepka is one of the next guys, right? Yeah, Chase's brother's already over there. I mean, you can connect the package deal, package deal, right? I mean, who else wanted Chase, right? Chase isn't that good a player relative to all the other big names out there. So you start getting. 10 or 12 more of the big names, which Matt has alluded to and you have as well, Josh, is going to happen, will happen. They get their, you know, their points so they can play in the majors. Floodgates are open, and the commish really has, I mean, every day he digs himself a deeper tunnel. I mean, every day. Because if they buy this DP tour, it could be loaded. It could totally transform golf all because of an ill-fated decision not to just work out a compromise, right? We've said it many times. Out of the public sphere. Yes. Right? This didn't need to be, you know, argued in the public sphere. This should have all been in a boardroom, behind closed doors, with no leaks. And you could have worked out a deal that was good for Liv, that was good for the PGA Tour. They could have coexisted. And instead, what we ended up with was ego taking over and try to play us versus them. And I think it's... It and it's ha- gotten nas- nasty. And it's going to get worse, right? I mean, we haven't seen a court case yet. No. I mean, no, we haven't. there's plenty of possibilities of that. Well, 
the major championships in all of this, is there one of the four? I mean, now at this point, the the PGA Championship, I think Phil could have played if he wanted to. I think he chose not to play in the PGA Championship. The Masters, okay, maybe that's a different story. The PGA Championship, I think he could have played. The U.S. Open, we know live golfers are playing in the, the U.S. Open Championship. With the, the DP World Tour, what we're seeing here, the Open Championship, that doesn't seem to be any sort of a problem for these sort of golfers. So, I mean, is there any obstacle now for the major championships, Matt? You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the only obstacle that I do think could be one is the Masters. But I'll say this. You're telling me the Masters is going to kick out Sergio Garcia, Carl Swartzel, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. The list will go on even longer, obviously, because I think there's going to be more Masters champs that come, including Bubba Watson. They're going to just kick those guys out? I, I just I can't fathom it. I can't fathom that. And I think that everybody uh, of the Jordan Spieth crowd, you know, throw Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, all those guys in that mix, yeah, of course. They, why wouldn't they back the PGA Tour? They're in the top ten in the world. But what this really opens my, my eyes up to, guys, is Victor Hovland plays a lot of European events. He's from over there anyways. It, you know, the shift of power here goes to where the European Tour can be just as good as the PGA. You're, why doesn't a Victor go? You know, uh, what, I think you look at any of those top European young players and you say to yourself, well, I can play closer to home. Even a guy like John Rahm that, you know, kind of he came out not as strong as Rory, but definitely came out strong against Liv. Any of those guys? I mean, if I offered you guys, you know, to play closer to home versus playing for us in Europe, yeah, you, you'd probably say I'd rather play it closer to home so I could be closer to my family. With better pay, mixed in. Uh, yeah, no kid, no brainer, right? Yeah, funny story about John Rom, guys. You'll love this. So Casey and I are watching last night in the highlights, and she goes, has John Rom gained a bunch of weight? I'm like, I think he's living the good life. I mean, <laughs> he definitely over the last few years has put on a few. <laughs> yes. Still a great golfer, though, oh, and o- only one shot off the lead. So He, he is. In fact, I, eat your cheeseburgers or I don't know, whatever he's eating. Who cares, right? Well, they did a special on oh, ESPN about his, at his house out there, and it was awesome. <laughs> steak, you said, Matt? Uh, yeah, a guy like him, I hope he's eating steak. Good Lord, you got all that money. Don't be eating McDonald's or just cheeseburgers in general. You know, have, have the best wow. the <laughs> Come on, John Rom, as rich as he may be, he's just like one of us, right? I mean, he can have a steak, but he can have a cheeseburger too, but you make a strong point. He he doesn't have to uh, be going through the drive-in line. That's that's uh, the drive-through line. No, no need for him. He can eat the cream of the crop, whatever he wants. Hey, speaking of cheeseburgers, you can get a fantastic cheeseburger right ah. here at Westwood Park. I've had them. They're outstanding. Look at that. And my physique shows that I've had a few. <laughs> right on cue. Yes, we are hanging out at Westwood Park Golf Course. Uh, Rick Parrish, the crew out here, so awesome. Getting geared up for the Westwood Invitational, the 47th annual Westwood Invitational, J- July 2nd through the 4th. Their 54-hole individual stroke play event with six different flights, entry, 
$225 to walk, 275 to ride the course during the tournament. Call the Pro Shop or go to westwoodinvitational.com to enter. Who's the favorite in this U.S. Open as we've got 36 holes left? Let's debate. Let's discuss next right here on the Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. Back with you right after this. The Gimme Zone, we're back with you. Happy Saturday, everybody. Man, we are winding down. Think about that. I mean, that's a little bit depressing, I guess. I'm not trying to bum anybody, all of all of our golf fans out on this Saturday. But, I mean, once this weekend is over, Brian, we're talking about well, there's one major championship left in this golf season. It's It's been a great year for, for us with the Gimme Zone. It's been fun starting this show up and... Not to get too sentimental here in the final hour, but it just hit me. It's like, man, after after this Sunday is over, we're about to uh, the end of the major championship season. But we got a lot to determine in these next couple of days, this afternoon and tomorrow. Colin Morikawa, we know, is the leader right now, tied for the lead with Joel Damon. Some big names right there. One shot back. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler is a couple of strokes back at three under par for the championship. Scheffler goes off at 201, 223 for McIlroy, and then 245 for Morikawa. And right in between there is uh, Rahm at 234. Teased it before the break. Who's the favorite, Brian, going into these final 36? Well, in my opinion, I personally think it's either Rom Morikawa or Scotty Scheffler. I don't, I don't think Rory's putting's going to hold up at U.S. Open green speeds. I just don't think it will, and I think those got to be the favorites. I mean, how nervous do you think our guy Buckley's going to be today playing with John Rom, twenty-six year old that hadn't played much, you know, Missouri, you know, golfer in college. Missed six out of his last seven cuts going into this U.S. Open. And now you're playing with, you know, arguably, before the tournament started, one of the three, you know, favorites. And, oh, by the way, you're one shot off the lead. Yeah. um, I I think, you know, we're going to have some scores of 76 or above coming for uh, Mr. Buckley. And our guy Bo Hostler. I think think 76 is – if he could put 76 down right now – that's going to be as low as he's going to shoot today. I'm just calling it. I'm calling the shot Whoa. right there. You can tell I'm not a Bo Hostler fan, right? No, you are not. Matt, what do you think? Who's the favorite in this thing where we stand right now? Well, before I give you my favorite, I'll go opposite of Brian and uh, say that Bo Hostler shoots one over or better today. How about that? I think he's. I think he's going to hang around a little bit more than more than we think. Now he may pull a Mito. You know, he may get electrocuted on, on Sunday. All right, Matt, to settle this deal, we've got to have a friendly wager. Okay, we're going to meet in the middle, and 73 or above is my number. You get you, above 73. You get 73 or below, and we'll just do it for, for that cheeseburger that we've been referencing. There you go. And 73 is a push. If it's right on the nose, yeah, 73 is a push. Are 73 you, you Are you the in burger. for the bet, Matt? Oh, I'm in for that. I'm in for that. All right. I'll let you get a chicken sandwich because you're probably healthier than I am. I don't know about all that. But uh, if if he's in it, guys, (laughs) think about it. If he shoots a 72, 
Let's just say he shoots 72. I think he's going to be either first going into Sunday or, you know, in, in the top three. That's just how hard this course is going to play today. Uh, so it, it definitely could have uh, some big ramifications going forward. Uh, as far as favorite for me, I think you have to go with Morikawa. Not only is he in the lead, but he's been in the situation. He's been here. He's done that. And, yes, I know he hasn't won the U.S. Open, but he's, he's won uh, two other big-time tournaments. And I think that this is, no doubt about it, um, a, a tournament that we could see Morikawa Maybe even, dare I say, run away with it a little bit. If he shoots a really low score today and a low score today, maybe 68, 67. What, what is the lowest score you guys see on the course? One under par right now. I, I was. It's funny you mentioned that or asked that. I, I literally just was looking at that. There's 22 golfers right now on the course. And let's see, Bryson DeChambeau, he, he just got onto the course. He's through two. He's even par. So he's somebody that you would watch maybe could go low that has the firepower to do that. But uh, right now there's, let's see, four golfers that uh, are one under par. Everybody else, though, is uh, even par or over par. And our man uh, Chris Goddard up through six is three over par. Well, you brought up something, Matt, that I, I, how interesting would this play out? Let's say Colin Morikawa wins this golf tournament. Now he has three majors. And he's one away, as we've touched on, from the Grand Slam. Yeah, obviously he could, you know, get that next spring at the Masters, which is a golf course he's going to win on. I mean, he's got the type of game with his length and his short game. He's going to win there. Yeah, right. And, and precision with the irons. Yeah, and but you could get he could get conceivably another major this season at the most historic course, St Andrews. So if he wins here, he could end up with two majors, and we'd end up be talking about him for Player of the Year potentially, right? Sure, sure. No, that's no, a good have, point, Matt. No, we we definitely have to. And the other thing I'll kind of sidebar this conversation with is if you're Greg Norman and Liv Gall. Colin hadn't been, out of all the top guys, you guys correct me if I just haven't seen it, maybe. I have not seen anything from Colin Morikawa just denouncing Love Golf. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't, obviously, like everyone. Hey, I'm playing on the PGA Tour, yada, yada. Everybody put out those statements. But he hasn't really been demonstrative towards it. And, golly, I mean, if, if Live Golf wants to make a splash, I'll tell you what they do is whoever wins this golf tournament, they say, hey, we gave Bryson $100 million. We gave Phil $200 million. We gave DJ 125 For a guy like Colin Morikawa, shoot, he's worth at least 250 just because of his upside and where he's at in his career right now. Yeah, the the age. I mean, obviously, he's one of, the, one of the young stars on tour, multiple major champion, and, oh, by the way, as we've discussed, could knock off his third major championship and be right there knocking on the door of a grand slam. Why why haven't we heard from Morikawa a lot on that front? I mean, is it because he's calculating maybe going over to the Live Golf Series? Is it because is it because he's just not treated as the same type of star as McElroy, as some of these other guys? Josh, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I, I don't think he's looked at as as one of the superstars, even though he should be. And I think his personality is he's just a really quiet, under-the-radar guy. You know, you don't see him 
doing a lot of public appearances or doing, you know, a lot of uh, interviews nationally or anything of that. So I think he's kind of a quiet-by-nature guy. But riddle this. Let's just say he is thinking, has been thinking about the possibility of this. And, Matt, your number could even be low. I mean, 250. Phil's getting 200. I mean, if he if he wins this major too, I mean, it's like yeah. <laughs> even if he finishes second or top ten, I mean, in my mind, he's one of the top ten players in the world. Sure, if you get him, that legitimizes everything. Then all of a sudden, you got guys like Rory and Rom that have been so outspoken, and JT outspoken, and they're sitting there going, mm, "Man, I wish I had really slow played this a little more because now I can't go over there and save face." Well, and for Rory too. Matt, the the what you brought up earlier was so interesting about the Live Series basically potentially taking over the DP World Tour. For somebody like Rory McIlroy and a couple of these other European golfers, they I'm not saying they play on the European Tour or have every single week, but like an Irish Open is important to somebody like Rory McIlroy. Is he not going to play in that? Now going forward, I mean, has he kind of made his own bed in that regard? Man, that's a that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> Yet again, I mean, the live golf thing. I tell you what, whether you just hate it, love it, in the middle, it doesn't really matter. When talk about you know, it's brought so much conversation to golf. I mean, goodness gracious, it's, there's just so many different ways. And just when you think it's like, all right, oh, it's kind of played out, you know, okay, we kind of get what it is. Boom, you get more information, more news. So. To that point, I'll uh, I'll one up the conversation, guys. If the European Tour, which the DP World Tour is in control of the Ryder Cup team, uh, they might want to think twice about just being so outspoken. Because I know Rory loves the Ryder Cup, and yes, it would be you know just atrocious if he wasn't on the team. But just imagine if Liv does get control of that thing. Uh, I mean, that's even if it's just a partnership where. They get a better partnership than what the PGA has right now with the DP World Tour. Oof, that makes you think. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there for guys like Rory and Ron. Hey, did we get your favorite going into this weekend, Matt, or did did we spiral a different direction first? Um, I, I would say the favorite as of now is Colin Morikawa. I think he has to be just because oh, he's he's in the lead and he's won these tournaments before. Um, do I think that's who's going to win the tournament? No, but I think he, he he would have to be the favorite at this point. Yeah, it's hard to argue with with that. Morikawa, I mean, any of the, the big names. I just, I'm not crazy that Rory's been so outspoken these last couple of weeks. Not from, you know, what does it, you know, do to the lib series or any of that what does it mean for the pga tour there's a lot that have applauded roy for taking the mantle for the pga tour i just think it's extra weight extra pressure for him for these final 36 so from the winning this golf tournament standpoint i'm not sure that i love that for rory mcelroy but that aside i think rory's the favorite i told you guys a couple of weeks ago that rory was trending in the right direction the way that he's played this season, he was about to win a major championship, and here he is. He's one shot off the lead. He's my pick. I know we'll make official picks probably on the door uh, out here today, but I'll just go ahead and make mine right now. Rory McIlroy's the favorite, and he's winning this U.S. Open. 
Josh, I'm going to steal Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> That's right. I agree with you. He is going to win a major this year. But, but it's going to be at St. Andrews. Ah. It's not going to be this weekend. That type of course, the open course is set up really good for Rory. And he loves that track. I could see him winning that tournament. And I think he should be the favorite going into the British Open or the Open Championship, yes, as, if you they, wanna, as they like to call it over the pond. Indeed. If you don't want to upset our British, British and across-the-pond friends. Well, speaking of British, Matt and Josh, what about a guy – now that we have this DP World Tour news, what about a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick? Does he jump? I mean, a guy like that just starting to really come into his own on the PGA Tour, played European Tour a bunch previously, and still plays quite a few events. It would make sense for him, Matt. Hey, you know, to me, that's that's the type of guys that live neat. They need those guys to legitimize the league and – that's why Taylor Gooch was so big when the names came out. Uh, yes, DJ was obviously the name everybody talked about, but Taylor Gooch was the only guy on that list that was young and upcoming and really had a lot of golf life. His potentially what most believe, including myself, his best golf is in front of him. The same can be said for Matt Fitzpatrick, and this is not a shot at Taylor at all, but Matt Fitzpatrick is a slightly better European version than what Taylor Gooch is uh, at this current time. Doesn't mean he can't, you know, that can't pass back and forth, obviously. But what it does is it gives them, you know, guys of what they're looking for. And Bryson DeChambeau, probably the next guy now on that list. Uh, he obviously he's a polarizing figure for them, but they just can't stop with what they have. So I, I would think with that news, yes, guys like him would would take a look at it. Anyone that calls home in Europe, I think, has to take a stronger look at this thing. If the DP World Tour continues to go down this path of working with the Live Golf Tour. We're due a break. You know, I've procured some audio from these leaders, and we've not hit any of that yet. So let's hear from the guys that are leading this golf tournament next right here on the Gimme Zone. And then I want each of you to make an argument for me. And this is going to be difficult. Bear with me on this. Make an argument for me why a Damon, why a Buckley can win this week and i know that's a challenging ask for for both of you but let's do that next let's hear from the leaders and why one of these underdogs maybe can be a surprise champion at this 2022 u.s open it's the gimme zone from westwood park golf course right here in norman off of 24th and robinson the westwood invitational sneaking up on us and the deadline to enter is june 29th so you still have time still have time to get entered for the Westwood Invitational, July 2nd through the 4th, the 47th annual Westwood Invitational. 225 entry fee to walk, 275 to ride. Call the pro shop or go to westwoodinvitational.com to enter. Time out, and let's uh, break all of that down next. Right here, it's the Gimme Zone. Welcome back to the Gimme Zone. The Gimme Zone is brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, locations in OKC and Tulsa. You can call them at 405-361-3094 or visit their website at EliteRoofOK.com. Ah, very nice. Our man, Connor Pasby, back in studio, bringing us back. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, and Matt Reynolds hanging out with you. Yes, it is the Gimme Zone. We're 
out here at a great place, Westwood Park Golf Course, where the Westwood Junior Golf Academy, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 9 to 11 in the morning for golfers ages 8 to 17. That'll be uh, sneaking up June 21st, the 22nd, and the 28th, and then July 12th, the 19th, 26th, and the 27th. They've got the July 27th tournament and pizza party. Entries only $120 for the Westwood Junior Golf Academy. Of course, uh, they've got you set up out here for driving range instruction and plenty more in the Westwood Junior Golf Academy. Okay, teased it. What about the leader? What did our man Mr. Damon have to say about the round that was yesterday? Is this a proper sponsorship? Yes, thank you. Is this it's actually for sustainability why it's in a can. It tastes <laughs> not like what's normally in a can. All right, Joel Damon, two under, 68. Joel, tied for the lead heading into the weekend at the U.S. Open. What's running through your mind? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind, really. I, I was trying to like think back on the round today, and it's all kind of a blur, really, uh, which I think is probably a good thing, but... Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited. My game is obviously pretty good right now. Uh, I handled nerves pretty well out there today. Um, I don't know. It'll be a big weekend. I, I mean, yeah, who knows? I, we told you up till 3.45 tomorrow. <laughs> I, I typically have to be home by 5 o'clock for dinner, so uh, this will be, be different for sure. That sounds like somebody that's about to win this golf tournament, Brian. Ah, how do you feel? Nah, I don't know. That was, uh, I did a poor job setting up the front of that, by the way, too. He arrived to the podium with a can of Dasani water and was asking, hey, is this, is this okay that I have this with me? And he got, obviously, uh, the go-ahead and then was saying, yeah, you know, this isn't typically what I drink out of a can. So, anyways, some personality from Joel Damon. But did that inspire some faith for you, Brian, that he's about to go win this golf tournament? No, that makes me want to buy a ticket for anybody but him. I like his personality, and it would be awesome for him personally to win. Like, you know, our guy Andy Dillard said many times, you know, somebody like him, I mean, this is life-changing, right? Sure. You start getting exemptions into the majors. I mean, I don't know if he's ever or how many masters he's played. I mean, you know, so there's a lot on the line. If he's talking about pressure on Friday afternoon, I don't like his chances on the weekend. But – we will talk about some reasons why some of these folks like him and others that are lesser known do have a chance to win this golf tournament. But, Matt, did that inspire you at all? Well, um, I heard that one, <laughs> and I've heard a few others now that he's done interview-wise, and I will say, man, he's he's different. He's different, guys. He's not sure typical golfer that's for sure but uh who, who exactly josh i know we we can make a case for joel uh who all do you want us to make a case for to win out of these guys that are up towards the top that are no names uh, to quite quite the casual fan i should say well damon obviously is one the other would be hayden buckley really those two i mean it out of those two, Adam Hadwin, I guess, would be. Now, he's a more familiar name. We've seen Hadwin be uh, maybe not with regularity in contention for major championships, but he's been a longtime Canadian tour player that's had some success in spots. He's at two under par. But what about that trio? Uh, who do you like? And specifically, Damon and Buckley. Paint me a picture where one of those two guys wins this thing, Matt. Well, I'll go with Damon. And. 
I, I'm not a huge fan sometimes of his comments, uh, as we just heard there, because they don't come off as someone that you're like, oh, yeah, just like Brian said, I'm going to go put some money on that guy. Yeah, no. But what I do like about Damon is this sums him up pretty well. He went to – he's a, ben, a big uh, Ben Rector fan. He went to a Ben Rector concert on Thursday night after shooting a great score. That's the type of guy he is. Uh, last night – uh, he said he was going out and he's going to, you know, eat eat some brunch at a local place today and just find things to do until his tea time at 2.45 today, our time here locally. So, that, I mean, what I would make the case for him, Brian, is the fact that Joel Damon, I, I know he's talking about pressure a little bit, but I don't know how much he's actually thinking about it. Just he's kind of a normal, normal Joe dude and just kind of go out and be able to, enjoy his life and do things. I just wonder Sunday, you know, about midday, if he's still in this spot, is he as free and loose as he is now? Cause if he's as free as, as loose as he is now, then I do think he could, you know, legitimately have a shot. Well, Matt, here's a couple of stats I think to talk in favor of Joel, even though I've already kind of thrown him under the bus. He is leading through two rounds. He's leading the tournament in fairways hit and greens and regulation. Yeah, those are two stats. I mean, that's how you win a U.S. Open right there. Yeah, because, you you know, uh, these guys, these greens aren't running crazy fast, so they're not going to three-putt a lot. So the reality is if you're hitting the fairway and hitting it on the green and, and he pars in, he pars in for 36 holes, he's winning the golf tournament. You know, I'll make another, another name that we haven't talked about that I'll make a case for, Matthew Neesmith. He is Joel. He is actually leading in fairways hit. Joel Damon's hit one less, so he's in T two for fairways hit. So Matthew Neesmith. It's the reality is we talk about it every year in the U.S. Open. You got to keep the ball in the fairway because the rough is crazy deep at every U.S. Open, and very penal to the point that you are going to have to hack it out, take your medicine. A lot of cases. One exception of this course is Mina Holes up there do have open fronts to the green with without bunkers covering them where you can hack it out and run it up on the green. We've seen that so far. So maybe the premium is not as high as normal, but I like guys that hit fairways and greens uh, to win the golf tournament. But, oh, guess who's also right up there? Rory McIlroy. And John Rom, yeah, and no. Scheffler. So, I mean, again, I just think when this is all said and done, the really elite cream of the crop rise to the top, right? We saw that at Southern Hills. You looked like Mito Pereira is going to win the thing, and then guess what? He he coughs it up on eighteen, and it winds up being Justin Thomas who wins the championship. You spoke to uh, a little bit of this there, Brian, but you know, one of the things I don't know that we spent a ton of time doing this morning yet is. Just talking about the course itself, Brookline. Matt, what have your impressions been of how this major championship has played out in this U.S. Open from Brookline? It's an old course. Uh, They've done some things to trick it up a little bit with the rough uh, being as high as it is. I mean, not shocking. It's the U.S. Open, the USGA. That's kind of what they're known for, right? Uh, But I think it's been... It's been good and bad. Uh, the course itself is great. I think the bones of the course are unbelievable. Uh, what, what I haven't been a big fan of is at times of how they manage the course this week. Uh, the early, late window gained two shots um, on the field compared to the late, early window. 
Uh, and that, to me, is never good. Uh, a lot of that has to do with a number of different things, one of them being they watered the greens yesterday afternoon, uh, which helped you know, that afternoon wave be, you know, a little bit on the greens. I just, I'm a fan of, hey, let, let's try to make it as best as we can to where the waves of where, when you play doesn't, you know, really make it to where, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you're going to be making the cut versus you're not making the cut. Because in this tournament, just like any other major tournament, one shot, two shot difference on a wave, uh, that, that's a big difference. And, um, we've talked a lot about the live golf being a shotgun start, and that is a legitimate thing that I don't know if there is you could ever do a major with a shotgun start. You know, that would be called blasphemy for even thinking about that. But you couldn't just because of the field size. But it does uh, take a little bit, I think, away from the course. But as far as the views, Brian, I thought it looks beautiful. It looks absolutely gorgeous the way they've set it up. It's lush. It's definitely lush. I think they've had plenty of uh, of rain up there, and it's lush. So we're going to transition, take a break, head to our last segment. Let's come back with our final picks, and then I'm going to talk about why I think, what was it, 24 last 25 have been in the top six? Correct. I'm going to tell you why I think that could change this year. I love it. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen, from Westwood Park Golf Course. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. Matt Riddle's with us as well. Final T.O., we're back to make picks. Who's winning this U.S. Open next on The Ref? One final time, back with you. It's the Gimme Zone here on The Ref. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds. We've had a great time today, man, out here at Westwood Park Golf Course where the 47th annual Westwood Invitational coming up July 2nd through the 4th. You can still get entered up until June 29th, so plenty of time to do that, though it's starting to get skinny in that hourglass. So give them a call here at the Pro Shop or go to westwoodinvitational.com to enter. All right, you mentioned before the break, Brian, you had a little tease for us. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned 24 of the last 25 winners have come from the top six. You know what I think's different and why this pattern could break this year is you have 32 guys right now within five shots of the lead. Usually don't have that many people within five shots of the lead at the U.S. Open. And so I think if you look back historically, being the top six, you know, you're only going to have, you know, have three or four other people behind that that are within five shots of the lead, not – 32 people Mm -hmm. and so therein lies the difference i mean a guy like brooks kepsi goes out today and shoots 67 all of a sudden these guys are going oh this guy's won it a couple of times he's right on our heels now it could really put a lot of pressure on some of those guys going out later i mean i don't think it's gonna affect a john rom necessarily but you don't know i mean kepka for all of his uh interesting quirks he has about him he shows up at the U.S. Open. Yeah, he loves this tournament. So w- what do you think, Brian? Who you got? I'm sticking with Scotty Scheffler. I, I mean, he's just got the all-around best game, and I will not be rooting for Rory in any capacity. Never <laughs> been a Rory fan. I, You know, I'm just not. I, I can't go there. And, hey, let's just throw Hostler to sev- 76 today, Matt. I'm be enjoying that cheeseburger. <laughs> Who you got, Matt? <laughs> Uh, give me Brooks Kepka. I think Kepka is, uh, to Brian's point, close enough to this lead that if he goes out and just plays uh, really good golf, 
the rest of the way. I think he's going to have a real chance at taking this thing home and giving us uh, one heck of a finish to this tournament. Well, I am a sucker for Rory McIlroy. I could do without the grandstanding about the Live Golf Series. I I could do without that, but I, uh, I've been on this bandwagon a little bit here these last several weeks. I've told you guys that I think he, he was about to win this U.S. Open, and here he is one shot off the lead, so I'm not going to shy away from that. I think he the, – the double bogey putt that he made yesterday, that I think we're going to look back and say was the tournament for him. That that was the game saver, Brian. If he, if he does win, that one putt will make the difference in everything because he could have made a quad just as easily as a double. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if that thing doesn't go down, sure. Because the wheels are coming off at this point. And I will give you credit. You've been on his bandwagon, Josh, and I'm just wondering, are you are you get, are you you on the take now? Are you, <laughs> Maybe, right? Is you, he sponsoring the Josh Helmer Enterprises? <laughs> I wish. I wish. Hey, that's it for us. Enjoy the U.S. Open, everybody. Appreciate Westwood for having us out. Until next time, so long, everybody.